Welcome to Feature in a Short. Feature in a Short is a monthly screening hosted by Four Wind Films, where an appointed contributor presents their chosen feature motion picture and short movie. The only condition for screening a selection, the presenter must have been directly involved with one picture, but not the other. I'm Justin Joseph Hall. Gladys Mae Murphy is our guest, and she works on HBO projects all the time, all of which are amazing. She was co-editor on the Oscar-winning Crisis Hotline, which won the Academy Award for Documentary Short several years ago. The movie that we watched was another Oscar-nominated film that she worked on with Jeff Bartz called Prison Terminal, The Last Days of Private Jack Hall. So Prison Terminal is a film that was shot over the course of six months by a director who wanted to experience what hospice was like in prisons where people are serving life sentences. Edgar Behrens was a director. He got his certificate to be able to you know, practice as a, a caretaker. He worked with the prisoners for a week just to get them used to his presence. And then he brought out the camera and just followed everything for six months. He lived in the basement across the street. He had a very depressing time, and this movie is very, very depressing, and yeah, but it's it's about a hospice, so I'm sorry if it... The, we all know what the ending's going to be. So after the film, we had a, a short discussion, and Gladys had a ton of insight, not only on her process, but also the effort that the director put in to creating this film. For those of you who don't know Jeff Martz, he's a very... Famous documentary editor. 20 years at HBO as a supervising editor. And so when there's a film that it comes into HBO that's already been cut and needs a little help, they give it to Jeff. Maybe almost a decade ago, I was hired to be his assistant. And after a year of hardcore assistant work, I escaped to the country Colombia and said I wasn't coming back for six months. And he called me, he was like, I I need you back. And (laughs) I was like, I'm not coming back. And I said, I I wanna cut soon. And he gave me a scene to cut in a different movie that was hard. It was about um, how they kill dogs in shelters. It was that scene. And I was so excited that I was even allowed to cut for anything for HBO. And so I, I did it and he kept me on. And one of our next projects was this prison terminal. And we cut it over the winter. We both gained so much weight because it was just so depressing. Um, And we both don't smoke cigarettes. So our outlet was like, oh, let's go to the vending machine. And we did that maybe like five times a day, just watching the dailies. And there was one, it was shot on tape, mini DVs. And we would watch just one tape a day. And it was a countdown to Christmas. And he said, oh, this is a tape where Jack Hall dies. Let's not start the Christmas season with this. I was like, great idea. And then, so like, I don't know, 2013, 2014 rolls in and the first tape we pop in is to watch Jack Hall die. And um, it wasn't that hard to cut, it was just hard to watch. And it's still hard to watch. I haven't seen it in years and it still brings back feelings. So uh, Jeff Bartz, cut the next film, Pumping Iron, um, about bodybuilding and helped Arnold Schwarzenegger become a household name. And I watched that film when I was 18 in California, not knowing I was ever gonna meet anyone from Pumping Iron and 
When I walked into Jeff Bart's office, he had a poster of pumping iron. I'm like, oh, that's cool. He said, yeah. And cause I, didn't, I did not look at his entire history. Yeah. He has like 100 <laughs> films. And he's like, this is the film I cut. I said, what? Um, but you'd already seen it. I've seen it when I was 18. And yeah. like a decade later, I meet Jeff. Mm-hmm. And he... Uh, he said after that, like after that film came out, there was so much buzz. He was so excited. He was a freelancer. He's like, oh, I'm now I'm gonna get the job offers. He got nothing for seven months, mm-hmm. and his first job editing after seven months of unemployment was editing an industrial film on how to grow green beans. <laughs> and he said he was so excited, and <laughs> this is just inspirational. I was like, wow, you did pumping iron, and no one hired you after that. Um, yeah, no, that's it's cool. Uh, the um, the other thing I was wondering is like, uh, when you got the footage, w- when you work with Jeff, especially on this film, there's like some of the least amount of credits I've seen in a film on that. It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So, w- what did Jeff? If you knew that you were cutting this with him, um, or how? Oh. What was your working relationship, and how do you do you deal with them? footage when you first got it? Um, when we first got the footage, there was over 300 hours and we knew it was a short. And we said, weed out everything that isn't related to the Jack Hall. Cause he did shoot other people oh. in the hospice who weren't as dynamic as Jack. And uh, he gave us maybe 80 hours of tapes to go through. And what Jeff likes to do is to have everyone sit in a room and watch all 80 hours. Everyone. Me, the director, and Jeff. Um, and the director was the only crew member. He was sound. And I, I don't know if you noticed, but it has this um, weird tint on it because he never set his white balance. <laughs> and at one point, we we're like, oh, no, we need to make this film black and white because the color is so bad. But everything's just desaturated on purpose because of his color balance. Which, um, But he, uh, yeah, it was just a one-man band. Like, I was a third credit. I'm like, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's parts of Jack's story that's not, that doesn't line up with what he says, but I think he's just that old and he's been telling himself the same story over and over that he believes it. Those guys who, who take care of Jack in the hospice, the reason why they're allowed to be volunteers is because they, they're in good standing. You know, their bars are usually open and they do a lot of crocheting and they make wallets and stuff. But... They did some really bad, bad, bad things. But these guys were maybe like 20 when they did it, and now they're 60. So they've been in prison for a while. I don't think they're ever going to leave that prison. Who did Jack murder? He, his son was addicted to drugs and ended up killing himself. And so Jack said he murdered the drug dealer, and he, so he could no longer do it again. He got caught because he told his older son that we meet and his son turned him in. Mm. Um, That's how he got caught. And our director, by the end of the six months, he had gained, I don't want to say how many pounds, but all he Mm. was eating was like pizza and prisoner food. And and he's like, I was just waiting for the, the right person. And he left after Jack left. He said, this is, this one's it. He shot that in 2006, and we didn't cut it until 2013, meaning no one would buy it. No one bought the film. Mm-hmm. And someone at HBO saw it, 
during one of those speed dating pitches where like wow. you have like three minutes to explain it to mm-hmm. an exec at a, a network and how many years later it was bought and turned into 40 minutes. I was just going to ask, where did, the, where did the show actually go? Like, was it... When HBO tries to get something um, shortlisted for an Academy Award, it has to be theatrical for a certain amount of time. It has to be reviewed by certain newspapers in order to qualify for the running. And um, so it was theatrical for, I think, four weeks or two weeks, whatever the minimum is. But in, like, small, obscure, cheap theaters. yeah. And it's 40 minutes. It's not a good... It's not like a Saturday movie you're going to want to take the family to. <laughs> it's just, it's, it was hard to make a film about something that doesn't really benefit like us people who are free. And these people are in prison, and so why would everyone else care about how they treat their, their dying and the sick? And I think that was the biggest challenge. You know what the process was like for him in terms of getting access? He did a film about Angola, or he helped um, set up a hospice at that prison. And it, it was more like a, a how to do this, and it was spread amongst the other prisons. And he wrote a letter to Iowa and said, hey, you know, I did this film, and I'd like to film the hospice that you guys have. And they said, that's funny. We based it off of your film. And so he got in, and he... He studied to become a hospice volunteer, so he was able to help out for a week and gain everyone's trust. So no one was ever like staring at the camera awkwardly. They were just comfortable around him. And these guys are, you know, they're pretty much the honor roll of all the prisoners and old dudes who have been best friends for decades. He had a lot of like great bites. He was a sound bite machine. The, the first thing I ever saw was that intro where he's talking about when you just first meet Jack and it's just his big face and he's talking to camera. And I already, I, that's when I knew, I was like, this is gonna be a good film. It's so interesting what you said about the color correction because that bleakness made it, yeah. you know, it really just enhanced the, that fragility. That and, mood, and, yeah. yeah. Some of those mistakes that actually end up being benefited. I mean, some of those shots were like, honestly, they were green or orange. And we were like, Edgar, he said, oh, I had it on automatic. But actually, he's one of the best verite shooters I've ever edited with. He, he's so patient. I mean, to live somewhere for six months and just capture all those hours. And he has, he's so patient. He just observes and watches. He's not really like asking anyone, you know, can you walk through the door again? Or he's, he, I, I wouldn't be able to know where to move the camera after, but he always knew that once he moved the camera to you guys and one of you would start talking and it was just, he was really patient. I said the fact it looks kind of a bit, uh, like he's not done the white balance, almost kind of adds to it because it gives it that like sickly, kind of otherworldly vibe, which is kind of what the patients were mm-hmm. at the point. Mm-hmm. I think if it was shot really beautifully and not like, you know, a $5 million Netflix doc, then it kind of leaves them to the honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whenever the countdown happens with hospice day one, I'm like, oh, because I already know how many days. <laughs> but it used to be worse. Like our first screening, when we presented it to Sheila Nevins, and we cut back to the clock ticking. She's like, all right, already. Right. Like, 
We know he's gonna die. Hurry it up. Because it was just so depressing. I had a screening with my friends and they're like, I don't want to party anymore, Gladys. Like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> The cuffs when he was going yeah, into the yeah. ambulance. She's like, oh, you, you gotta be kidding me. That's just what it feels like. Yeah. Every time that you see that. It's probably protocol. Just yeah, it, it is. It's just like sad. You know the guy, the guy can't walk, can't run away. He's not gonna do anything. Yeah. It's just stupid. I, I cut that scene. <laughs> Oh, yeah, your eight yeah, wives are waiting for you. But he was a very interesting, charismatic character. And I was interested as to why which conflict he'd find, because I thought at one point he said the Second World War, then just by basic maths, that could be right, surely. It was filmed 2006. Yeah, that was yeah. I just watched War Torn. The same thing with the, he mentioned here. Is mentioned in that one where they come back and they teach you how to kill every day and you, they don't teach you how to turn it off afterwards. It's like the same oh, thing. Oh yeah, Jack Hall, when he was in Italy, I think, or it was his job to kill at least one person a day. So he had killed, wow. I can't even tell you how many people he killed, but like with knife, guns. And so how do you come back to Iowa? People yeah. anger you. He was just set up for... Next, we end up watching one of the most fun documentaries, a lighthearted, great time that is always a talking point after people have seen it. And it's entitled Pumping Iron. Pumping Iron was made in the 70s, and it is about bodybuilders with the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger in his last run before he headed to Hollywood and became everything on the silver screen. Schwarzenegger is not the only star in the film. There's also Lou Ferrigno, who ended up playing the Hulk in the 80s. It is incredibly enjoyable. You see a lot into Arthur's world and this unique world of bodybuilding with like an eclectic set of characters, including a character from Brooklyn. For eating during this film, we brought out some greens along with some Brooklyn breaded chicken. And soon after that, we brought out the best that we could match, some hotel fried eggs and toast. So when Arnold was running for governor, <laughs> I had to balance prison terminal with something. When he kissed that girl, and she did a close up of her face, and she was just like, <laughs> like taking photos and going, oh yes, yes. Oiling themselves up and thrusting their pecs out. And grunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're taking a break next week. We're shooting our short film prologue. We are finishing up another short film by Ricky Rosario entitled uh, A Boyless Luck, which is in color and sound right now. And we're going to have two short films for you from 401 Films uh, in the near future. So check those out. Check our website. Check our social media. If you have questions or comments about the show, please send an email to info at fourwindfilms.com that's info at f-o-u-r-w-i-n-d-f-i-l-m-s thank you for listening talk to you soon